<laughs> Great. Thanks, Ash and Ashling. I love that we have the ashes up here this morning. I mean, what else would you expect from a church called Catch the Fire when you have ash left, right? <laughs> That's all right. You'll catch it on the ride home. That's all right. Well, good morning. Good to see you all. If you have your Bibles, which I hope you do, please turn with me to 1 Peter. And it's my great pleasure and joy this morning to preach on the eternal purposes and plans of God. Yes! Ash is excited. God's eternal plans and purposes, what he's called us to, who he's called us to. Can I just say, I'm falling more and more in love with Jesus. I feel, I feel like my, my, ah, oh, shaka, my, my love for him is growing more and more. I'm, I'm feeling more on fire. I can feel myself being rooted and strengthened and grounded in his love, like Paul prays for us in Ephesians 3. And my prayer for us this morning is that we would be rooted in his love, that we would know his love, but more than that, that we would love him back with the love that he has for us, that we would be head over heels in love with Jesus Christ, the lover of our souls. So 1 Peter, let's start at 1, verse 3, and we're going to go down to verse 9. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, that is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Once again, I'm going to read that part again. Though you, do not, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Wow. Wow. I love how Peter starts off here. He starts off with God the Father. He says, God is our Father. And he has brought us into a new birth. He has given us a new birth with him. You see, my friends, God has created us. And because he's created us, he's designed us. God has created you and designed you and has plans and purposes for you. But there's, there are people who say that there is no God. But the moment you remove God, you remove the creator. And when there is no creator, there is no design. And when there is no design, there is no identity. And when there is no identity, there is no purpose. And you can see that we as humans, we are looking for identity and we are looking 
for purpose in our lives. And we, uh, w- without God, we start looking elsewhere to get that identity. So some people, we turn to get our identity from our culture. Oh, well, I'm European. Oh, well, I'm North American. I'm South American. I'm, I'm Australian. And from the deep, deep South, as some friends would say. Some people try to get their identity socially. How many friends do you have? How many uh, likes do you have on Facebook? How many followers do you have on Twitter? Some people try to get their identity economically through their job or the numbers in their bank account or the status in their life. Some people try to get their identity sexually by identifying in very um, as various genders or uh, saying who they're attracted to. But what it boils down to is that we're looking for identity and we're looking for someone to define us, someone to identify us. And that's because that even if you remove the creator, you cannot remove the design of who we are. You cannot remove the designs of our hearts. And there are things, there are longings that are like defaults in our hearts that God has put there to actually lead us to him because we are most satisfied and most fulfilled when we are alive in him. And no matter what we do and no matter where we go, we are always going to be restless until we find our home in him. Now, when I look around our society, I see these longings of the heart that are driving people. And, some, and these are some of the longings I see. I see that everyone around us is looking to be loved unconditionally. There's no one I know who doesn't want to be loved unconditionally. We want a place where we can be loved and accepted for who we are. I see that people are looking to be accepted and to, and to belong. I see that people are looking to live in peace and in freedom. I see that people are looking to live with a sense of destiny and purpose with lasting impact. That's why we talk so much about finding a career that fits, finding a career that you can be fulfilled in, finding a career that you can be satisfied in. Why? Because there's this longing inside of us to have a sense of destiny and purpose. We have a longing to be powerful and to live forever. Don't we? Right? That's our cult. That's why we're obsessed with health. That's, uh, you know, we're not so much obsessed with going to the gym and working out and eating right as we are obsessed with not dying. That's what we're trying not to do. Because we think, oh, if this is the mold, if these are the markers and the indicators of people who die a premature death, well, I'm going to make sure I don't fit into that mold. We have a longing to have friendships with supernatural beings. Everywhere I look, I see stories about vampires, sorry, vampires, werewolves, dwarves, and dragons, and all these sorts of supernatural beings because there's a longing in our hearts because we remember that we were actually created in the supernatural in the first place. We were created in the very heart of God. There's a longing in us to be fascinated by beauty. Out of all of the disciplines that we can study in school, there's only one that is an end in and of itself. Every other discipline has a natural, practical, outworking purpose. 
For example, if you study math, you study math so that you can apply it. If you study physics, you study physics so you can apply it. If you study English or languages, you study it so you can apply it. If you study history, it's so you can apply it. The only discipline that is an end in and of itself is art. You study art, you study um, how to make a beautiful painting, how, how to create a beautiful piece of music. You study it so that you can create it, and then people just go, wow. Wow, that's amazing. There's something about beauty that arrests our hearts where we just stop and we stare. There's nothing quite like a beautiful sunset, nothing quite like a beautiful natural um, view, not painting, <laughs> landscape. Thank you, Murray. Nothing quite like a beautiful natural landscape where you just go, oh my gosh, this is gorgeous. Oh my goodness, this is amazing. And I also see that we have this longing to love something or someone passionately to be absolutely devoted to someone or something passionately. We raise people like this up as examples in our culture. You see people who are sold out, who are single-minded in their focus, single-minded in their devotion towards technology or football or, um, or the arts or wh whatever it is. They're sold out for something. And all of these longings, my friends, is because God has created you and created me. And these longings are actually meant to be satisfied in him. But unfortunately, because of sin, we have turned away from him. We have gone our own way. We, have, we are starting to do our own thing. Sin is absolutely disobeying God, but sin is also loving something or someone more than we love God. This is what the Bible would say, that we, all of our problems in society, everything that we are struggling with as a human race is because we are loving someone or we are loving something more than we love God. And now we are reaping the fruits. We are reaping what we have sown. And so if you tend to, if you tend to love money and if you tend to want money, then you will never have enough, never feel like you have enough. If you um, want power, then you want more power. It's because we are loving something or someone more than we love God, and it's causing all sorts of breakdown relationally and um, within our society. But the truth is, is that it, when we love God supremely, we are never more free. We are never more free than when we see him and we know him and we love him and God becomes the center of our hearts and the center of our lives. When that begins to happen, my friends, you become so free that you don't know what to do with yourself. <laughs> you become so free. To others, it actually looks constricting. To others, it looks like a straitjacket. But internally, you go, wow, this is glorious, I'm free. See, because some people would say, no, 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 John, you are mistaken. We should be free to go wherever we want, do whatever we want, follow whatever desires we want. We need to be free to do that, and then we will be happy and satisfied. And I would say you're right and you're wrong. You're right in that it sounds like freedom, it looks like freedom, but you're wrong because your desires will conflict with one another. Your, 
your desires don't always line up. I have a desire to be the number one basketball player in the entire planet. I also have a desire to eat Bojangles fried chicken. And I confess to you that Bojangles has won over my other desire so far. And I'm sorry. See, the, the reality is, is that we all have different desires. And the desires conflict with one another. So the question isn't, how can I follow all my desires? The question is, which desires will actually lead you to a free and prosperous life? Because there are athletes who want to compete in the Olympics, and they're willing to do whatever it takes to get there. They're willing to, s to go to bed early, get proper rest. They're willing to eat um, food that is nutritious, that will uh, actually help fuel them. They're willing to train and give up hours upon hours of their days and years to get to where they're called to. And it's the same way with us. When we begin to say, God, I desire you and I want you. And when we set our affection and our love upon him, he comes to us and, and we begin to be fulfilled in him because that is how you and I were designed. That is how we were created to be. We are never more free than when we are, than when we love God supremely. That is God's plan and purpose. That is what Jesus says is the single greatest command. In Matthew 22, he says, uh, he gets asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. If you do that, you're, you're doing well. Oh, I pray that this morning that we would have power and grace released to us to love God with the love that he deserves. To love him with our heart and our mind and our soul and our strength. And we see that from the beginning of time, God has been after our hearts. He's been after your heart. He says in 1 Samuel 15 to Saul, through Samuel, he says, I desire obedience, not sacrifice. What does that mean? God wants you. He doesn't want your stuff. God wants your heart. He wants your mind. He wants your soul. He doesn't want your bank account. He doesn't want your car. He doesn't want your house. He doesn't want the things that you have that you can sacrifice and offer to him. What he wants is you and you fully and you completely and he will not rest until he has you. That is what he's going for. That is what he's looking for. And this is what Peter begins to show us. This is what Peter begins to lay out for us. He, he starts talking about God our Father and Jesus Christ. And he starts talking about how we are being born into a new birth. And if you have given your heart and your life over to Jesus, you have been made brand new. You have died with him, been buried with him, and been raised with him. So his death became your death. His burial is your burial. His resurrection is your resurrection. And his ascension is your ascension. And what Peter's saying is that now there's an inheritance for you and for me that has been kept for us, and it will never spoil, it will never fade, it will never perish. And the Holy Spirit has been given to us as a down payment, guaranteeing that that inheritance is going to come to pass. But then what's really interesting is that he starts to talk and say that, there, that you have to go through some sufferings. There are things that happen in your life that you can't control 
that cause you to suffer. And when that happens, usually our reaction is, oh no, God, why? Just like what Amber was sharing earlier with her friend. I'm so angry at God for you. But what Peter's saying here is that actually sufferings deepens our love for God. And sufferings leads us into joy. And I don't know why there's suffering on the world, in the world. But I do know who I trust in the middle of suffering. And when, when you love him and when you know him, you begin to say, God, I don't know why I'm going through this, but I know you and I trust that you're going to get me through. I trust that you're going to take me through. I trust that you will never leave me. I trust you'll never fail me. I trust that you're going to pull me through to the other side and bring me out, and I will see my salvation in you, or I'll see my inheritance in you, so either way I win. That's what begins to happen in us. Because we can't have it both ways. We can't have a God who's small enough to understand and yet big enough to be worshipped. When suffering comes our way, we don't know why it's happening. We can't see the why behind it all. But all we can do is trust. Trust him to take us through. And it's funny because sometimes you'll find that when you come out of seasons of suffering or seasons of sorrow, you look back and you go, wow, I never would have learned that. I never would have grown in that. I never would have experienced that had I not gone through what I went through. About in 2012, Andrea and I got married in 2011. Woo! Coming up on seven years, baby. And within the first year of our, our marriage, she shattered her ankle. Absolutely broke it. Had, had to have five-hour reconstructive surgery. Had three surgeries within a year. Was off work for 15 months. And it was so difficult. Because within the first year of marriage, I went from being a married young man to becoming full-time caretaker for my wife. Helping her from the bedroom to the bathroom, helping her sit on the toilet, helping, helping her get up from the toilet, helping her back to the bedroom, going and cleaning up the toilet. Go I became a full-time caretaker. And I look back now, in the middle of it, it was terrible. God, what's going on? God, why is this happening? God, God, God I trust you. God, I lean on you. God, I, I choose you. And looking back now, those are some of my sweetest memories because I got to serve and love my wife in a way I haven't been able to, in a way she's never needed me, in a way she's never uh, even required me to. And I got to be for her what she needed. And in the same way, there's some of you right now who are going through suffering. There's some of you who right now, there's circumstances you just can't explain, you can't control, they're just happening to you. I bless you to go through it with Jesus. And I bless you to allow his love to come into you and to carry you through. Because what Peter goes on to say is that we love him though we have not seen him. And that leads us to joy. And there's ridiculous supernatural joy that awaits us. And it comes out of love for Jesus.
So how do we get that joy? We get that joy by loving him. But too often, we get it backwards. See, this is what Peter says. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. See, most of the time we swap love and belief. What Peter says is, you love and you believe, which leads to joy. Most of the time we talk about belief, and then maybe love, and then maybe joy. We focus more on believing in Jesus than loving Jesus. We, we want people to pray a prayer. We want people to have good theology. We want people to know all the right answers. But without love for Jesus, that means nothing. Without love for Jesus, actually, belief turns into a duty. You have to, you have to, you should. I should read my Bible. I should pray. I should go to church. I should be in community. I should be in relationship. And you should, 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 should. It's terrible. You live under the awareness of where you're not, where you're not measuring up. But instead, when we put love first, what happens is our hearts start to become alive to his love. Our hearts start to become alive to his goodness and alive to his beauty. And we find that we start doing the things that we should have been doing in the first place. But now it's easy. And now it's simple because his love carries us through. How does love for Jesus grow? Love for Jesus grows when we see him as beautiful. When we focus on belief, what we do is we, take, we usually take one aspect of Jesus and we say, if you believe in Jesus, you get this. If you believe in Jesus, you'll get forgiveness. If you believe in Jesus, you'll get mercy. If you believe in Jesus, he'll come and restore you. If you believe in Jesus, he'll come and heal you. And what we do is we turn Jesus into a commodity with us as the consumers. We become the Lord and he becomes the servant. Oh, I need some forgiveness today, so let me ask Jesus. Oh, I need some mercy today, let me ask Jesus. Oh, I need some provision today, Jesus. And Jesus becomes the genie in the sky who does our wishes. But that's not how the Bible teaches us to relate to him. Peter says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Love for Jesus begins to grow when we see him as beautiful. Because you will do for beauty what you would never do for duty. When you see Jesus as beautiful, there is nothing you won't do, nowhere you won't go, nothing you won't give up if you just get him. And it becomes your joy and your pleasure and your privilege to lay down everything that you have that you might gain him. Because if you gain him, you actually gain everything that you ever wanted and everything you ever needed and you didn't even know it. So friends, when we begin to see Jesus as beautiful is when our hearts begin to be captured. And when our hearts begin to be captured, we begin to be fascinated by his beauty. And as we're fascinated by his beauty, love for him starts to grow inside of our hearts. 
It's like the living creatures around the throne room. They're covered in eyes, and so they see really, really well. And they're flying around the throne room of God, and they're crying out, Holy, 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 holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. They're crying holy because they're, they're circling the throne just looking at him. And every thousand years, every 10,000 years, God just shifts in his seat a little bit. And they catch a whole new glimpse of him that they've never seen before. And they go, wow, holy, holy, holy are you. It just bursts out of them. They can't contain it. It's them exclaiming and proclaiming, wow, God, you are amazing. There's no one like you. There's no one I've ever seen. There's no one as glorious or as beautiful or as lovely or as precious as you. And when he captures our hearts like that, when we see him as beautiful, we're willing to lay it all down to get him. So we can't just see Jesus as practical or as forgiving or as gracious. Friends, we've got to see him as beautiful. Because we will do for beauty what we would never do for duty. As his love for as love for him grows in us, this joy begins to come into us that is inexpressible and filled with glory. And this joy carries us through no matter what our earthly circumstances are. Why? Because we have the love of the person who only mat the only person who matters. And we know. Come hell, come high water, come mountains, come valleys, it doesn't matter because I'm loved and this joy begins to fill us and fill our souls and overtake our spirits. And so even though it looks like madness to the world, when people go, how can you be so excited? How can you be so, like when Amber was sharing about her friend saying, but I know him. There's this joy that comes that carries us through life's circumstances. Joy inexpressible and full of glory. But now here's the problem. Is that you cannot cause yourself to see his beauty. You cannot work it up. There's nothing you can do to cause yourself to see Jesus as beautiful. That's why Paul calls the cross foolishness to the world because up until the Holy Spirit lights on you and opens your mind and opens your heart and opens your ears, it looks like foolishness. There's nothing you can do in your natural self to force yourself to see God as beautiful. It's the illusion of the magic eye poster. Do you guys remember the magic eye posters? I'll never forget, I was in Pakistan when I saw my first magic eye poster. For those of you who have, who have never seen one, one, come see me after. I'll pray for you, too. I'll, pick, I'll pull it up on my phone so you can see it. Three, what the poster is, is just a, it looks like a poster of randomly connected colored dots. And you look at it, and you're like, that's weird. Until you stare at it, and then all of a sudden this picture forms. And you go, oh, that's what it is. So I was in Pakistan uh, at my parents friends house and they had this magic eye poster on the wall and I looked at it and I went what is that and they said John when you look at it a picture forms 
So I looked at it and I said, I don't see no picture forming. And they said, no, 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 you got to go closer. Oh, no, no, you're too close now. No, you got to step back. No, no, you're too far back now. No, step forward. Okay, lean in and try to look past the picture. But then, like, close your eye. If you squint, you might. And they're trying to describe all these ways for me to see it, and it just was not working. You know, have you ever had someone try to describe something to you that you just cannot see? Like, is that dress blue or is it gold? <laughs> or is it Yanny or is it Laurel? My, Andrea and I live on a street called Laurel Leaf, and she turned to me and she said, John, does that mean we now live on Yanny Leaf? Here's <laughs> the point is that no matter how much I tell you how wonderful and great Jesus is, it will never cause you to see his beauty. That's the bad news. The good news is that if while I'm speaking, there's something inside of your heart that's, that's saying, I want to see Jesus as beautiful. Lord, I want to love you. Lord, I want what John's talking about then that means that the Holy Spirit is coming upon you to reveal him to you. Then that means God wants to light upon you and reveal to you a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ that will carry you through life difficulty, life circumstance, and into inexpressible and inutterable joy that's glorious. That's the good news, is that we can't do it, but he can. And all we can do is position ourselves and say, Lord, I want it. Lord, if this is you, I want you. Lord, would you come? And as we begin to think and meditate on, on his beauty and on his goodness, the Holy Spirit will come and descend upon us, and we'll begin to see him in a fresh way, in a new way. Back when I was about 15 or 16 years old, I was at our youth group one evening. And we had this couple come from I don't know where, they spoke on I don't know what, but then they said, we want to pray for you. So being a good teenager who wanted to fit in with the crowd, I went up and I, I stood. I wasn't even sure if I wanted them to pray for me, but I didn't want to look like the only one out, so I went and stood in line. And they, the, they stood opposite each other, and we had to walk through them, and they laid their hands on us and said, we bless you, we bless you, you know, praying for us. I don't even remember what they prayed. All I remember was what happened to me. Because I walked through, I wasn't expecting anything. And when I walked through and they put their hands on me, I closed my eyes, and then instantly when I opened my eyes, it was like I was seeing in a different dimension. Everything around me was on fire. The, um, the pillars were on fire, my friends were on fire, the chairs in the auditorium were on fire. And I stumbled over to the ground and I kind of slumped against the wall and I looked around going, what is going on? And I closed my eyes and I said, God, what are you saying to me? God, what are you, what is this? And as I closed my eyes, all of a sudden I saw trees and a path. And the trees were on fire, the path was on fire, the grass, like everything was on fire. I have no way to explain it, I have no words to explain it, other than it looked fiery, but they looked like trees at the same time. The path looked fiery, but looked like a path at the same time. And then in the distance, I see this person who's strolling, walking towards me confidently. And as they get closer, I realize that it's Jesus Christ, and his hair's on fire, and his eyes are on fire, and his robe's on fire, and his hands are on fire. And he is this fiery man 
walking towards me, and, at, and he just walks closer and closer and closer, bends down, opens his mouth, and this flame comes from his mouth and into my mouth where it goes down into my heart. And all of a sudden, I felt like I was on fire. I started, I started burning. And instantly, I stopped seeing. I, w- I could see everything like normal. And all I know is since that day, I've never stopped burning in love with Jesus. I've not stopped seeing him and loving him and falling more and more in love with him. And that, my friends, is what God is calling us to, to see him and know him and love him. Because when we do, there's nowhere we won't go and nothing we won't give up because we get him. And if we get him, we gain the world. If we gain him, everything else is insignificant because we love him. And we gain the one who our hearts long for. It's only the Holy Spirit who can do that. It's only the Holy Spirit who can open our eyes and open our minds and open our ears. And all we can do is position ourselves for encounter. All we can do is say, Lord, I'm good to hang out in your word. God, I'm going to hang out in worship. God, I'm going to hang out and make myself available to you. Come and speak to me. Come and reveal your beauty to me. Because when I see you, when I catch one glimpse of you, I'll be like those creatures in Revelation where I cry, holy, 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 and that glimpse will carry me through for the next 40 years. That one glimpse will carry me through. When we see Jesus as beautiful, our hearts are satisfied in him. When we see Jesus as beautiful, our hearts start to come at peace once again. And we start to realize that all the longings of our hearts are fulfilled in him. We will forever be restless and forever be wandering until we find our home in him. (coughs) And so that's what we want to pray with you for. This morning, as I've been speaking, there are some of you in this room, and you've never before asked Jesus to come into your life. You've never before asked him, to come and be beautiful to you, to come and be the Lord of your life. And if that's you, I want to give you an opportunity right now to pray with me and invite him in. There are some of you in this room as well who you were in love with him, but your love has grown cold. Your heart has turned hard. And through the pressures of life and through the the things that we want, that we're worried about, that we struggle with. Love for him has grown cold, and you and Jesus are more like roommates than lovers. And for you, Jesus is calling you back. And then there are some of us in this room who feel like we're blazing hot on fire for Jesus. And for you, he wants to come and fan the coals of your heart so that your love continues to blow up, continues to grow. And the Holy Spirit, the flame of love, comes and rests on you and lands on you and breathes his love into your heart. That's what we want. So I'm going to invite you to stand. Would you stand and would you close your eyes for a minute?
if you are if you're in the first group of people that I was talking about and you have never invited Jesus into your life, I'm going to invite you to pray this with me. In fact, I'm going to invite all of us to pray this with me, either in your heart or out loud. Jesus, would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of my sin? All the ways I've turned away from you all the ways I've tried to be fulfilled elsewhere. Lord, I turn to you now. Would you forgive me? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? And would you help me to see you as beautiful? And would you help me to love you? Amen. If you pray that prayer for the first time in your life, I'd like you to, I'd like to welcome you into the family of God. And I'd like you to find someone afterwards. Please come find me or find one of our ministry team with badges on and let us know. We'd love to pray with you and get to know you a little bit. Welcome is the greatest decision you can ever make in your life. Now for those, for those of us who our love has grown cold, and for those of us who, who are blazing and passionate love for Jesus, we're going to pray and ask that the wonderful, ah, Holy Spirit would come and descend upon us. Because what Peter says is he says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And the word love that he uses there is agape, is the God kind of love, is the love that only God can love with. And what Peter is actually saying is that it takes God to love God. Ah, you need to be filled with his love before you can love him. And so what we are going to ask is that the love, the living flame of love himself, will come and deposit into our hearts fresh love for Jesus, fresh grace to love him with the love that he deserves, fresh love to love him and know him and be fascinated and captivated by him. I bless you in the mighty name of Jesus to know him. I bless you to be filled with love for him. I bless you to be absolutely overwhelmed and to be fascinated and captivated in love with the lover of your soul. And if that's you and you're saying, I want that, John, I want that with all my heart. I want that. I want you boldly out of your seat right now to come up to the front because our ministry team, we're going to come around and lay hands on you and pray for you. Pray that God will come and encounter you. Pray that God would come and rest upon you and reveal more of himself to you. Where you are, as people are coming, where you are, I want, I want you just to begin to ask him. Be, begin to ask Jesus Christ to come and cause love for him to spring up once again in your hearts. And cause love ah, to come and blow on your hearts. To come and overwhelm you. That you would be captivated once again. There are some of you in this room, I hear God saying that he's bringing you back to your first love where you were, some of you, you feel like you've walked away from your first love and he's bringing you back. And right now, the living flame of love, the Holy Spirit himself, 
is coming and lighting upon your heart and lighting upon your mind to cause love for Jesus to grow inside of you. And I bless you, Catch the Fire Church family, to be a family that burns in love for Jesus. I bless you to be filled with his love and filled with his power and filled with his grace for that you would be absolutely overwhelmed with love for him every day in your workplaces, in your jobs, in your families, in your schools, wherever it is you go, I bless you to be on fire in love with Jesus Christ and to be sold out for him and in so doing to find the person that he's created you to be. So we say, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit and breathe fresh life and love into our hearts. Breathe fresh fire and anointing. Come Holy Spirit.